Sacred Saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Today is Wednesday, September the 1st. Oh boy, it is September. And you know what? To be honest, it's time. I'm excited to be in September. My kids are starting school. Um, we're going to be able to do all these different opportunities in ministry. And today we continue to study the inspired and true word of God and connect the dots from the Old Testament to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. And today, oh my goodness, this is a concluding a chapter that we often just read the beginning of chapter 12 and we get to the end and what wonderful connections it has with all this encouragement and the beginning of it. And now, as we look to Jesus, he speaks about a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Not a kingdom that's there in the future or a kingdom in the past, but the kingdom right now. These words might be a little confusing, but the Holy Spirit will help us today to fix our eyes once again on Christ. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information. lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we have the joy of having with us Pastor Dan Eddy of Messiah Lutheran Church in Beloit, Wisconsin. Pastor Eddy, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so Pastor, it's been a while. Um, Good to hear your voice. What's going on for you, your family, and the saints at Messiah Lutheran? Well, uh, tomorrow I uh, will be my—no, actually Friday, excuse me, will be my 21st anniversary, married to nice. my beloved wife, Berta. And so we're looking forward to that celebration. And uh, I just—yesterday uh, was my fifth anniversary here at Messiah Lutheran Church, wonderful congregation, and we're preparing for Rally Day coming up on September 12th. And uh, we had a fantastic, when we got back in person for Sunday school, it was probably one of the best years for learning and uh, attendance that we've had since I've been here. And so we're hoping that that will go to the next level here. Uh, We have a children's handbell choir. We have two very talented members who are music teachers uh, for our public schools here in Beloit, and they do a phenomenal job with our congregation. We just uh, opened up a food pantry for our community here just a couple of weeks ago. And we have about 15 volunteers in our congregation that help unload the truck from Second Harvest and stack our food pantry. It's a drive-through food pantry. And in our first two openings, we have served 56 households. So we praise the Lord uh, for that. We've had our LWML, our Thrivent and Evangelism groups have donated needed school supplies to the two nearest public schools in our area. And I don't know if you noticed as a parent, but the cost of school supplies has really gone up this year. So Amen. we wanted to provide Amen. those to help needy families. <laughs> well, Pastor Eddie, it is it is a joy, especially this really connects to our text in chapter 12 prior to our time today that we'll be looking at. Is this an understanding of running with endurance, looking at Jesus and how you described everything? Everything is completely a testament to God's people looking to Jesus by his word, by the sacraments, looking to Jesus. And this is the outflow by the Holy Spirit and how we can serve our neighbor. What a what a joy reminder to our listeners. Here's an opportunity to pray for Messiah Lutheran Church and all the work they're doing in the name of Christ. So, Pastor, as as we encourage our listeners to pray, can you begin our time in prayer uh, and ask his blessings for our study? Absolutely. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, through your Son, the Word made flesh to dwell among us. He is our lamp to guide our path through our life with him. So today, by the Holy Spirit, uh, at Jesus' direction, empower your Word so that as we carefully read and listen and learn and inwardly digest your Word, our faith may be strengthened, our courage increased our understanding humbling us so that we may not tire of doing what is true, what is honorable, and what is just. So help us to accomplish that here today in the name of Jesus, our risen and ascended Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, if you have any questions as we study Hebrews chapter 12, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, uh, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, uh, Hebrews is is such a rich book. It has a, a theologically rich, Christ-centered rich. How would I say that? Christ-rich? I'm not sure how to say it. Um, but it is such a rich book that that's why we separated chapter 12 into two sections. And so how, how I wanted to start today is I want to read the verses by which we'll be studying and then come back and to hear your introductory thoughts, whatever you want to share about what happens prior to Hebrews um, chapter 12 or throughout the whole book, because we're getting close to the end, which I'm kind of sad about, but we'll, we'll get to that. So I want to start being in the word of God and then hearing your thoughts. So let's get okay. started. Sounds good. Open up your Bibles and let's get started. Yeah. Reminder to our listeners, we also are reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture. The author writes, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messengers be spoken to them. For they could not endure the, the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him, who warned them on earth? Much less will be escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, Pastor, there's a lot of, there's rich words there. There's confusing words there. Chapter 12 is, is, a, is a wonderful book for us to be able to study. How will you, uh, what introductory thoughts do you have that will help us start off on the right foot? One of the principles we use when interpreting Scripture is looking at a typology, okay, that things in the Bible don't happen by chance, that there's a lot of thought that goes into it through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So what this verse verses, what these verses bring out beautifully is the greatness of the Lord shown in the Old Testament to the greatest in Christ Jesus as proclaimed through the gospel to its final consummation at the end of time. And, and so for many ways, uh, like the first verses that we looked at, 18 through 24, that's hard law. I mean, you got, you got Mount Sinai, um, it's all law. I mean, you touch the mountain, you're killed. I mean, that's trying to, to go to God without a Savior. And then you have uh, verses 22 to 24, that's the gospel. There's your heavenly Mount Zion, if, you'll, if you will. Then there's a little bit of sanctification on respecting the Word of God. Uh, we'd call it Third Commandment issues. And then there's kind of a final warning that this is all going to come at the end of time, and, and it's, it's going to be uh, apocalyptic. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be shaken. Um, the stuff will be sifted out, and you will be the one standing, and all the others will, be, will not be there. They'll be consumed, uh, for our God is a consuming fire. So that's kind of the, uh, maybe the 10,000 or 5,000 foot view uh, of the text the way I see it. You know, one, one, a few terms I want you to define a little more, um, because it is important for us to make sure we're on the same page, because what you've described has been a theme throughout Hebrews, and I know we've mentioned it, but of course we have listeners that you, our listeners, sometimes only come on occasionally. So I want to make sure we're on the right, the right page. And you explained it. I want you to expand it even a little bit more to define for us typology in reference to chapter 12. Okay, so have you ever been on a road trip? <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. you know, you're going through and you're seeing these beautiful <laughs> vistas, okay? And you're thinking, wow, this is a great view here. And then all of a sudden, the topology changes, and you see even something better. And then, then the topology mm-hmm. changes, and you see something even better. My, my wife and I, we took our, our 20th anniversary uh, trip this past summer, because we couldn't the summer before because of COVID. And we traveled north through south through Colorado. And, and just when you think you've hit the best vista, all of a sudden you come around a corner or you come up on a, uh, uh, an incline, and boom, there's something even better. Well, that's the way Scripture is. You know, nothing's done by accident. All of the Old Testament is a setup for the New Testament. Um, I kind of compare it to, you know, the really good comedians out there uh, are not the ones that have the best punchlines, but have the best setup so that when they give the punchline, you laugh. Well, the Bible's not a joke book, but you get the idea. I mean, most of us know that if, if I just went through a stand-up routine and I gave you all the punchlines, you'd say, well, this isn't very funny, okay? And mm-hmm. so that's the same way when you look at Scripture. If we just gave you only the New Testament, you said, well, they're making this stuff up. But when you see that through thousands of years of God's people and that promise that was first made in Genesis 3.15, how, it, how it's woven throughout the Old Testament through the patriarchs, through Moses, through the kings, uh, through the lot of prophets, uh, even through Babylonian captivity and the remnant, um, you, you see how this is all leading up to Jesus, where when you go back, you say, well, yeah, this makes sense. Jesus is the guy they're talking about. Not that they tried to manipulate all these prophecies to fit some guy named Jesus. That is that is so perfect way a perfect way for us to look at Hebrews because for example in chapter three it says basically that Jesus is the greater Moses 
that Moses was great. He he did what God called him to do, but there was a greater a greater thing around the corner, as you said, like you're driving through the mountains. Um, and it's Jesus, not only greater, but the one by which they were talking about the whole time. So that thank you for the teaching you had on that. And also at the end of your um, introductory thoughts, you said apocalyptic. And I, I think most of us know what that means. And we've been talking about it. But just unpack that a little bit. What's apocalyptic? What does that mean? Well, the Book of Revelation is one of the uh, the the books that's a, a, called apocalyptic li- literature, and that is, you know, if you're a non-believer, uh, this existence in this universe is not going to end well for you. It is going to be cataclysmic. It is going to be well. If we could use a current event right now, it's going to be like the American citizens left behind in Afghanistan who wanted to get on the blast plane heading out and they couldn't. Um, and God help their future. I'm praying for them that somehow, some way they can escape. But for mm-hmm. those who are unbelievers, at the end of time, there is no escape. And so the end for them will be the worst day that will never end. That's what Judgment Day will be for them. But for those who are believers in Jesus Christ, even though, uh, pardon my French, all hell is breaking loose around you, okay? And, and what does Second Peter 3 say? You know, the, the, the elements are breaking down, and I mean, it's just, you know, the building is crashing. You're protected. I mean, you're like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I mean, I mean, you're protected because of Jesus Christ. So even though it looks scary, okay, it isn't because you have been empowered. Uh, you will not be consumed by God because you will be judged rightly because of Jesus to be in the new heavens and the new earth to come after Judgment Day. This is a great introduction, great teaching, and reminder to our listeners, uh, as you can tell, Pastor Pastor Eddie knows his stuff, so send in an email and send in a, a call if you have any questions whatsoever. But we are starting off on the right foot, and we are ready to run the race with endurance. So you ready to start digging in, Pastor? Yes, I just want to put one disclaimer on there. I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to give the impression that our American citizens were left behind did something wrong. I, I just want, to, as I was thinking of my analogy, okay. I, I brought it more forward to the horror that they're facing. You know, right now that that was more my concern. I, I just want to make sure I don't offend anybody that's there. But for those at the end of time. Judgment Day, the the great offense has occurred because they have refused the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you very much for that clarification. So are we ready to dig in now? Uh, Yes, please. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it, Pastor. Um, So reminder, we are in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 18. And I think I'll just go all the way to verse 24. Like you said, this is the section of hard law that the Lord gives, 18 through 24. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gatherings, and the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits and the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
Now, there's a lot to unpack here. Where do you want to begin? You're the host. <laughs> you take it from there. <laughs> For right now, the, the beginning part is he, he's talking about something with Moses. What is the context yeah. of what happened well, with Moses? Uh, go to Exodus 19, 12 to 25, okay? This is the uh, prelude to the giving of the Ten Commandments, okay? And, um, and so you've got, you've you got to remember the context here is this is, uh, I believe, months after the Israelites have been liberated from Egyptian slavery. They're out in the desert, and, you know, at first, it, from their perspective, it was a cool thing. You know, they're no longer under the slave drivers that are there. But then they're out in the desert, and they're pining for the good old days of slavery. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me, because there was no food and no water. But instead of relying on God to provide, they groused and complained, okay? So you have the, uh, the events uh, leading up where water needed to be supplied and, and, and that sort of thing. And so, so you can see that um, their faith is starting to waver a little bit. So God needs to show himself as he is and let them know he is in charge. And in those so many words, you cross him, you're going to face penalties. And so um, verse 12, you show the, from Exodus 19, and you shall set limits for people all around saying, care not to go up into the mountain. This would be Mount Sinai or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch it. Uh, he shall be stoned or shot, whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and washed their garments. And he said to them, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. And on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and thick clouds on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought out the, the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it with fire. So there's your reference there to consuming fire. Uh, the yeah. smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. Uh, the Lord came down from Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and, and Moses went up, and, and it goes on and on here um, about uh, uh, that, you know, you you're not you're not supposed to touch this. In fact, it was so bad that when they when you get into chapter 20, the people are like, "Yeah, you know what, <laughs> Moses, you you speak on behalf of God. We don't want to see this anymore because it was you know what we call hellfire and brimstone. I guess if you want to use that term here, this is the God. I think Luther said you don't want to know outside mm. of Christ Jesus. Reminder to our listeners that Pastor Eddie just read from Exodus chapter 19, 12, almost to verse 25. And that is a great part because in catechism, confirmation class, we'll, we'll read Exodus 20. Oh, oh, they got the Ten Commandments. That's great. But we don't talk when we talk about the law and the consequences of the law. And it's great for us to look at Exodus 19 because also because it connects to our text today. So here, here, here it speaks about how it is so terrifying that, that only Moses would go up. Even Moses trembles with fear. What, how is the God? What is, what is the God that we see here outside of Christ in chapter 19? How would you describe that God or the God, I should say, God, Yahweh, as he's presented? Well, it's kind of like when you try to look at an eclipse without glasses on. 
you know, what's going to happen? You're going to go blind. Um, this is like uh, um, a fireman going into a building without fire equipment on, you know, clothing to protect them from the flames. You know, Jesus is the, the sunglasses, if you will, or the protective eyewear that allows us to see the power of God the Father. Um, he is our, our clothing, if you will, um, so, that, so that the flames of hell uh, do not consume us, okay? This, this is the beauty of understanding the Trinity um, and that we don't believe in a one-dimensional God. Uh, and but it's amazing how many times people want to bypass and go around Christ. I, I never thought I would see this, but I've seen it a lot in my ministry, more when I was out on the East Coast than here in the Midwest, where people want to think of God in general terms, and they want to negotiate and interact with God on their own terms, rather than through the love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I mean, look at this. He's, Jesus Christ is your high priest. That's, that's a theme here in, in Hebrews. He's, the way I explain it in new member classes, he's your lawyer, okay? And you're standing before the judge, God the Father, and he sentenced you to death. Yep, because of your lawyer, the public defender, because that's all you could afford. You couldn't afford anybody else. He, he makes your lawyer serve your death sentence. And so, um, but if you want to go and negotiate with the, the judge, who, by the way, is also the prosecutor and the jury on your own, well, good luck with that, because that's not going to turn out well. So as we look at the first number of verses, all the way to 22, um, excuse me, 21, it's very clear that he's referencing Exodus chapter 19. And then he says, but you have not come to what may be touched. How, is, what, how would you break that down? Because he's speaking to the Hebrew people. He says, you have not come to this. Is he, how, was, how would you describe that? Uh, that's a little confusing to me. Well, and, and it was a little confusing to me, too. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, in, in other words, I, I guess you could look at it, you could interpret it as, you can't, you haven't, you can't come to this God this way. You can't come and touch the mountain. You still can't come and touch the mountain. Um, uh, you, you know, and this is where he gets then into the 22 and following the yes. heavenly Mount Zion, okay, and, and looking at God through Christ Jesus. At least that's the way I take it. I, I, I'm, yep. I'm open to uh, being enlightened on that. And that's where that's definitely the direction I wanted to take. And Dr. Kleinig, when he wrote his commentary, spoke about how this this is not the way we come to God. Like this is what happened in Moses. This is not the way we come to God, trembling with fear. Um, uh, but in verse 22 and following, he speaks about Mount Zion, um, heavenly Jerusalem, the neural angels, the festal gatherings, and the assembly of the firstborn. So the beginning is we don't have to go to Mount Sinai to find God, but you have come to Mount Zion, Mount Zion and so forth. What is he saying there? You can't go there, but here you have come to. What is he speaking well, about? Well, Jesus Mount Zion? has brought us to Mount Zion, okay? And, and think about it. Mount Zion is, is where the temple was built. I believe this is where um, Abraham uh, um, sac was going to sacrifice Isaac, okay? So this becomes the place of our Messiah. This becomes the place of, of our Savior. And, and think about how we have traditional worship settings laid out, okay? Uh, I was just explaining this the other day to our new member class. When you go in, our churches, if they have like a traditional chancel area, is modeled after the Old Testament temple, 
okay, where the high priest went behind the wall if it was Solomon's temple or the thick curtain if it was um, the, the second temple, okay? And, and what did they do behind that curtain once a year on Yom Kippur? Um, it, they sacrificed on behalf of the people, uh, which pointed ahead symbolically to what Christ would eventually do from Mount Calvary, all right? And what happened at 3 o'clock when Christ died? That curtain temple was torn in two. It didn't have a slit down the middle to begin with. It wasn't a theater curtain. It was a full sheet or full curtain, and it got split in two to tell us that the sacrifice had been made. There's no longer a barrier between us and God the Father. And so a lot of those, a lot of those places that are mentioned, Mount Sinai, the living God, uh, Jerusalem, the innumerable angels, festival gatherings, firstborn, all of this, how would you would you put those all into one category? Basically, speaking about heaven, um, the, the heaven on earth kind of language. Dr. Kleine talks about this is talking about coming into the divine service when we worship. This is what is happening. This is what we're coming to. How would you break down those places and how that connects to us? In our communion liturgy, what do we say in the proper preface prayer? Um, for it is good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God. When, when we are praying that prayer, we are, we are not just communing with the people that are in our sanctuary, but also uh, there, is a, there is a fellowship with the people that are in heaven. Not that, they, not that your loved ones are necessarily looking down and, and seeing that you're going to communion. Um, when you have uh, uh, chancel structures where the communion rail is more of a U-shaped type thing and it, and it ends at the chancel wall, I had somebody explain it to me was uh, on the other side of the wall are the people in heaven that are in communion with you. You can't see them, they can't see you, but, uh, uh, but you definitely know that, that, that you are in communion with each other. And not on top of that, you have angels worshiping the Lord with you in the sanctuary as well. I think some of that imagery is coming in through these verses. And it's wonderful imagery of, okay, there was a presence of God historically in Mount Sinai, and here is the presence of God for you today. That's why I love that, that, uh, that, that, that comparison and contrast that he's doing here. But right now, we need to take our break, and we'll touch more on that. On the other side of our break, we are studying Hebrews chapter 12 with Pastor Dan Eddy, and we'll be right back. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers.
Wednesday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss what I wish my non-Lutheran family knew about funerals with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. We'll continue our series on the Book of Proverbs with Pastor Jonathan Fisk, and we'll talk to Terry Mattingly about media coverage of religion. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Life can bring occasions and experiences that leave one at a loss for words. When the experience is a spiritual one, full of grace and goodness, one word, Alleluia, can be enough. Hear it on the next Sing for Joy. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. And welcome back. We are studying Hebrews chapter 12 with Pastor Dan Eddy. And Pastor, as we have been speaking, we've, um, we've spoken about Mount Zion. We've talked about Mount Sinai. There's a lot of mountains involved in this whole process and looking at not only the future of the, as you said, the typology, not only that, that this connects us to Christ, but also connects us to the apocalyptic, the, the heavenly realms, the resurrection that is still yet to come. And then he gets to verse 24. So he says, you have all these things, and I love how he gets in the middle of all this. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Once again, like you said, this goes in typology language. How would, what, do, what do you have to say about verse 24? Well, uh, glory be to Jesus isn't one of the verses, Abel's blood for vengeance. Um, mm. uh, uh, oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. Normally have oh, that Lord memorized. Have yeah, uh. <laughs> I, I know exactly what hymn you're talking about. If anybody out there has the the hymn, let us know right away. This um, is good. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, th- I think I have it. If you just be patient. Oh, four hundred thirty-three. Yeah, here it is. You know, it goes. Yeah. Uh, Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. What beautiful imagery uh, that is! How how they're mixing blood, vengeance and pardon and crying all in the same verse and so um uh and 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 so you look at abel's blood is a blood of revenge uh, vengeance okay but jesus's blood is one of purification uh for us so there you see the old covenant versus the new covenant the the mount sinai if you will versus uh uh the mount zion <laughs> And well, well played. Uh, that is from the Lutheran Service Book, hymn number 433, Glory Be to Jesus. I'm impressed you pulled that together. I had read it, kind of forgot about it, but it says these words, Abel's blood for vengeance pleaded to the skies, but the blood of Jesus for our pardon cries. This is wonderful. If we're talking about the gospel, what a great way to connect the dots of the Old Testament because we hear of Abel in the great faith chapter in chapter um, 11, where he gives them a whole paragraph. And we think about how little we know about Abel, but he gives them a whole paragraph. And here he connects it again to straight up to the gospel of showing that this blood that was shed for Jesus um, the pardon cries is basically as the hymnal as a hymnist uh, wrote it as well. I, it, it's wonderful to hear those connections that come from the Old Testament. Like you said in your introduction, shows us that the Bible is all connected into one voice, which is back to Christ. So, Pastor, any other thoughts you have on those uh, on that verse twenty four? Well, I, and 
not just 24, but leading up to that point. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, um, if, if you talk to members that, uh, you know, we just celebrated our 60th anniversary back in 2019, and um, most of the older members grew up uh, in the Lutheran church or, or another church, okay? And when you sit down and you reminisce about how sermons sound differently today, you'll almost always hear people my age, I'm 56, or older, saying, oh, I remember the sermons where, man, it was hellfire and brimstone. But they don't <laughs> remember a lot of gospel. You know, mm. and, and in our lifetime, we've probably more in the last 30, 35 years, we've heard a lot more gospel in, in our sermons. And, and the one thing that, as I read through Hebrews that I notice, is that you get a much wider uh, continuum from the law to the gospel, and, and it, it's something that I think we as preachers need to be conscious of a little bit more, and that is, if we don't show the depths of the law, then the gospel will come across as cheap. Mm. Uh, it will come across as false hope. If we only preach the law really hard and then give kind of a lip service to the gospel, to the ear, that's kind of preaching a message of no hope or little hope. Okay, um, in the first scenario of false hope, there's no real call for repentance. In in the second scenario where it's all law, it, then the temptation might be, well, I got to work harder to show the Lord that um, I deserve what He gave me at my baptism. Uh, either one of those scenarios is not good. So I think it's a call for us as preachers to really have that interplay, that tension between law and gospel that I think Hebrews brings out very, very well so that we better appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus made under the new covenant with his spilled blood so that um, we can rejoice on um, Mount Zion. I wanted to ask this question, and and I know you do a lot of teaching, uh, a lot of uh, um, engaging with a wide variety of people. You always have. You and I uh, served together at a field church in, in St. Louis, and it was always wonderful to hear you and speak to people and preach and everything. And one of the, the realities of this text is that it, it, it shows us a glimpse, as you said, in the communion liturgy, but also when we gather around the Word of God in worship, I would say anytime you're in the Word of God, and it describes it with this wonderful heavenly language. Why is that important for us to be able to describe our gathering as God's people around His gifts? Why is it so important to capture what's happening here for the, for the everyday, for the normal Christian, for those who come, and for those maybe who aren't coming. Why, tell us about this language and why it's important for us to be able to describe. Otherwise, it's just another meeting. It's just another gathering. You know, a gathering of the PT, PTA or PTO for school. It's just another gathering. Uh, if you go to a 12-step support group, it's just another gathering. Uh, if you go to your car club or card club or something like that. What makes the gathering of, of, of worship different than any other gathering is, yes, there is very much a horizontal relationship. You and your parishioners, that fellowship is very important. But what makes that fellowship priceless is the vertical relationship that is involved in that worship gathering. And so it's important that when people come to worship, they're not doing God any favors by coming to worship. He's not going to sit there and grade your sincerity of worship. That's not why he wants you to worship. 
He wants you to worship him so he can bless you in worship, that he can show his vivid presence through the power of his word um, so that you can see him in your life. You can see where you fall short of his glory with your sins. You can see where he is there to love and forgive you. And from that, live that forgiveness in a repentant life. Um, If the church service is just seen as something you do to appease God or your pastor or your relatives or your parents or your children, whatever it may be, you're missing the blessings that God is there to provide in that worship setting. And those are heavenly blessings, blessings you're not going to get anywhere else on this planet. I think this is something that we all struggle with because we go to worship and we have that long list, like you said, we do it for my pastor, do it for my parents. It's Mother's Day, I got to go to church. It's Easter, you know, in order to get to Ham Mom's house, I need to go to church. And and all of that comes into the reality of life where where we get distracted. You know, like a lot of, a lot of us in, in Minnesota, we get to Sunday this time of year and church goes along. This might affect me seeing the beginning of the game. Um, you in Wisconsin, you might have a whole different team to worry about there. Um, but you go down the list and and we get distracted and we lose sight of things. Um, this is a struggle for all of us. So I encourage our listeners, chapter 12, these verses we just read are perfect for you to be reminded of why you go to worship. It's a good reminder. I would challenge Pastor Eddie and for me this Sunday is to read these passages on Sunday morning to ourselves to remind us that this is what we bring. This is what the Lord brings to us in worship, and that will open our hearts and our minds once again to the realities of what is surrounding us. Uh, uh, Mount, the Mount Sinai, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, the angels that are surrounding us, the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, speaking about angels, speaking about Jesus, and, and as Dr. Kleinig speaks about, and talks about God and the righteous me made perfect, and to Jesus. All of that is showered upon us. That's what's happening, even if we don't see it. That's powerful stuff. Pastor, last thoughts on that before we move forward to the next part. The idea of praise is not what you're doing for God, but what God is doing through the people that are there in worship. Think about it. When you are in a worship service and people are mealy-mouthed when it comes to the liturgy, when it comes to singing the hymns, it affects the, your, your attention to the word when it's being proclaimed from the pulpit. I've noticed that if people are, are, for whatever reason, struggling with the hymn, struggling with the liturgy, that, that by the time you get to the sermon, people are not focused on what you have to say. They're very distracted. But when people realize that God is working through them, not only for their own edification, but, but you are there as an individual to be a witness to the people around you, then it, 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 it becomes a very purposeful event, okay? And, and think about it. I, I have to admit, uh, now I've been, I've been a parishioner uh, many more years than I've been a pastor, and I can remember worship services where I came in where I just wasn't into the service, mm. but a voice next to me started singing those hymns or speaking that liturgy with confidence, and I thought, wow, what's, what's up with them? And, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's working through them. You know, and maybe, I hate to say this, I didn't get a lot out of the sermon, but all the other things, the hymn and the liturgy, 
were so edifying that when I left there, I was uplifted to say, okay, now I know that the Lord is here to help me through my worries, my troubles, my problems, to give me strength to handle the ugly things in life. And, and, and that's as much a part of the worship service as the sermon and as the readings from the lectern. So as you move forward, there's, there's a, a, a reminder of this is all that you have, and so don't deny it. I mean, that's kind of how I, I would break this down, and I'm a very simple guy. And so as you hear these words, a reminder of, of one, one, listen, but two, why we should listen and why we should understand all this. And you know, Pastor, I want to say this one last thing. Throughout my life, chapter 12, I've always known verses one and two. Like if you were to quote that to me, even in high school, I'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. But these verses, 18 through 29, are ones that I've, I, I have not dug into them nearly as much for various reasons. Uh, Pastor, I want give me, I'll give you a minute. Any, any thoughts on that? Have you, have you dug into these verses very much? In your, no, in, um, I, it, no. I, I was thinking the same thing <laughs> when I was studying these texts. I'm like, why did I agree to be on the radio with these verses that I've never <laughs> preached on, I've never studied, okay? And then I got my calendar mixed up because I thought it was supposed to be on tomorrow. So yeah, right, I missed right. an extra, uh, and that's not your fault, that's my fault, um, <laughs> where I was going to study this a little bit more in depth tomorrow morning because I have a Bible study about an hour after I get done with this one that I was you know, preparing for that. And then, and then I looked down at my calendar and I looked at your text and like, oh my goodness, I am on today. <laughs> no. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are. So just a reminder for you, our listeners, that, you know, even pastors, they they go through this. This is our job. And there's even texts that we have not studied much. That's the gift of being able to do this today. So I'm going to read the rest of our chapter and hear the riches that come from here. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer the God, to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So basically, Pastor, it sounds like he takes them back to Mount Sinai and speaks about um, uh, them refusing to listen and then warns us. What What is he telling us? Yeah, well, um, first of all, this is showing that that our consummation of our faith will come at the end of time. And, you know, between now and then, we do not want to treat God's gift of grace cheaply. It may be free, but it's not cheap. Mm. Um, It was paid for by the blood of Christ. So don't treat it cheaply. And I I think that's a tendency in, in America is that we are so blessed that it's very easy to take God's grace for granted. And the testing of the faith shows, you know, when people say, why am I being tested by God? You know, they get that God's not tempting them to do things. They get that God didn't cause their cancer. They get that God didn't say to their employer, fire Joe, okay? But what, so these people say, well, why am I being tested? You're being tested to show the priceless value 
of that grace that you've been given. If we weren't tested in our faith, if we were not shaken at times to our core, we would not really comprehend or even begin to comprehend uh, the uh, priceless nature of God's, uh, through Christ Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. So he tells him, don't refuse him who is speaking. And this is an interesting move because we, I guess I don't talk a lot like that, but like don't stop listening to the Lord. And that's part, I read an article recently that the Christian life is about listening. We always talk about doing, which clearly it is. I'm not saying we don't do anything, but the Christian life is about listening. And here he's saying, don't close your ears to the Lord for he has, well, there's many gifts that he is to be given. And and then he breaks it down and says, you know, there was shaking at Mount Sinai, but there's going to be another shaking of heaven and earth and there's no going back. So maybe you should listen to him. Any of your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on that approach? Because it, it's this pretty is, strong, like you said. Third commandment stuff. You mm-hmm. know, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear it and learn it. Okay. Well, that word fear, people say, well, what, what is fear? Well, if, you, <laughs> if you're unrepentant, you should be afraid of God. If you are um, right with God because of Christ Jesus, fear has an awesome reverence for what has been done. And, um, you know, I think we, our culture tries to paint God as like your nice little grandfatherly, you know, figure. And I don't think that's a good image. I think it is the, the strength of Christ should not be ignored and the strength of God um, so that if you're not right with them, yeah, you should be afraid of them. That, that, um, uh, but yet, when we had that awesome reverence, the love of God comes to us, and the love is returned back by the way we follow these commandments of love. And so here it is really paying attention to what, what God says. Not some of what he says, all of what he says. And so it continues on, and he speaks, he uses this language of shaken, so there was shaking going on at Mount Sinai. There will be a shaking. There'll be shaking when, um, um, you know, quaking when, when that final resurrection happens. And then he compares it to the kingdom of God. And, and he speaks about it in such a wonderful way that not in a, there will be a kingdom that will not be shaken. But he's speaking, there is a kingdom. Therefore, let's be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What is he talking about? How would you break that down? Gratitude. It's gratitude. It's being thankful for what you have been given. Uh, the, um, and, and also, I mean, how many times do we thank the Lord for testing our faith? We should, because in the testing of our faith is where, well, what does is, what is Romans 5 say? You rejoice in your sufferings. Suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that hope does not disappoint us because of the love of God that has been poured into us. So we should actually be thankful that, that, that we are being tested here because it shows that we are being prepared for the end. Now, he uses language of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, 
you and I, you know, we live in the world and many people in the world um, are kind of looking at the church and going, well, you know, some churches are closing and not as many people in those pews or now get used to be um, and go down the list. And you kind of say, it kind of looks to me like the church is shaken and you're trying to tell me that it's not shaken. Um, so what what's going on here? How would we how do we preach this, proclaim the truth that the kingdom, the kingdom's going to last? How would you proclaim that? Well, you have the visible church, and you have the invisible church, okay? In the invisible church, God knows who the true believers are. Um, when you look at churches that are closing, what that is showing is it's kind of a sifting. Uh, what's the imagery? The threshing floor. And that does occur in the here and now. You know, when, when people have not been repentant, God, God will shake them. And what happens is, how many people have you known, even since the pandemic, have kind of drifted away from the faith because their faith has been tested and they're like, yeah, you know what, I'm out of here. And I think that's what's happening in our American culture is we've had it very good for a long period of time to the point where we expect things to always go well. And when they don't, we blame God. You know, God's the genie in the bottle. And if we rub the genie and he doesn't give us what we want, we're out of here. That's what's happening in America right now. And those that are left, we are being tested. Is this something that we are going to uh, treasure and hold on to, or are we going to go the way of the culture? And that's what's happening in America right now. And what we're seeing is that there's a sifting going on. Meanwhile, think about this. Think about the five to 8,000 Christians, according to the, uh, um, the Christian Post, that, um, well, I hope many of them have gotten out, but before we started pulling out our troops, we're trapped in Afghanistan. That's absolutely incredible that any country where if they find out you're a Christian, they kill you, that there's five to 8,000 Christians. Do you think their faith is being shaken? No. What about the martyrs over, um, is it in Nigeria this year that's a hot spot for martyrdom that goes on? Think about 50 years ago, there weren't any reported Christians in Saudi Arabia. Now 5% of the country is believed to be Christians. I mean, those guys are the ones where things are shaken, and they're, they're, they're immovable. They're in, and we should learn from them, because I think we're going to face a lot more testing of our faith in the next decade here in America. Are we ready for it? How much do we treasure this, our high priest and what he's done for, for us? And, and this is important for us to remember, too, that we often look at ourselves and we don't look at the wider church. And I like how you put it, too, that it's a visible church versus the invisible church. And we the reality is there's a lot of people in the church that we don't necessarily see in our own churches and around the world. And to think about all the, the stories of people who are um, staying strong and steadfast in the faith around the world reminds us that the Holy Spirit's going to work. When Jesus says the gates of Hades will never overcome, um, they never overcome the kingdom of God because Christ, when he died, he died for the world. He has power or he has victory over the devil. And though evil surrounds us in darkness, he is still our light and he is still victorious. And it ends, interesting, in verse 29. And I want to I hear what, what Pastor Eddie will say this afternoon if he studies uh, Hebrews chapter 12 in his Bible study, because it ends not with, for our Lord is our victor. No, he says, for our God is a consuming fire. That's how it ends. What do you think of those words? Well, fire purifies, right? Ah, yeah. That, that, that it, fire is a purifying agent. And um, uh, the imagery was the difference between John the Baptist's baptism 
and the one that Christ instituted shortly before he ascended into heaven. Uh, on another mountain, by the way, uh, scholars believe that the institution of holy baptism occurred perhaps on the Mount of Transfiguration, another great event on a, on a mountain that happened in the Bible. Um, that, uh, what do you say, and you'll, you'll have the Holy Spirit in fire, is the imagery mm-hmm. used with baptism today. In other words, it's, it's not symbolic. It's a lot more than that. And that fire, think about it, is a pure, the Holy Spirit purifies us for heaven. Okay, and so we are not going to be consumed. Uh, I think they use an imagery of your reservation is up in heaven uh, here, and and are you going to hold to that reservation when when people are baptized? Um, and I say, guess what? Your name's on the reservation book up in heaven. Don't forget, you've got your reservation to go to heaven. Um, but if people walk away from that, then then unfortunately, God for them will be a consuming uh, fire rather than being protected from the fire. Remember, go, go look back at the blazing furnace of Daniel chapter 3, and how the fourth image in there, Nebuchadnezzar, an unbeliever, saw that fourth image protecting the three men that were in that fiery furnace. Wow. You know, that's a connection I've never made. And looking to uh, Mount Sinai, and connecting the same thing with fire, and then connecting here to Hebrews chapter 12. This is, this is wonderful for us. Now, Pastor, as we look at this Sunday, um, we we encourage everybody, exhort everybody, come and hear this Lord who speaks to you. This is a theme throughout Hebrews, is that that the, the, in the days of old, he spoke by the prophets, but today he speaks to us by his Son. What would be your encouragement um, of when he says in verse 28, let us offer our God acceptable worship with reverence and awe? Um, how would you encourage people who are listening today to come and worship their their Lord in reverence and awe this weekend? I send out a weekly update. I'm going to try to get that done tomorrow that has the bulletin. I've been doing this since the pandemic. And you have motivated me to add something to the cover letter on the email, and that is look over the bulletin, even if you're coming, and see the readings that are there. And then when you come to worship, you know ahead of time, and, and they know what the worship theme is before they get to church, because I, I email it out and I text it out. And I do that on purpose because I want people to think in their mind, okay, well, before I come through the front door, here's where the emphasis of God's Word is going to be. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a first step there. Then I think as pastors, uh, we have a very challenging job to try to engage worshipers in an era of unbelievable media social media, YouTube, um, uh, uh, your, your, uh, look at the number of cable channels and, and streaming services. And it is a challenge for us to grab people's attention and to hold it, even if our worship services are only an hour. So we as pastors have to say, Lord, you've given us these tools. What can we better do to engage our worshipers? And then for the worshipers who come in, I think that they want to come in and realize we're not there to entertain you for an hour, okay? I'm not a paid entertainer, uh, and um, if I were, I would be in a different profession, that we're there to engage you, but not necessarily to entertain you. (laughs) And when you worship, it's a team sport, okay? It's not something where you come in and it's a passive activity where you just watch. It's an active activity, and that helps us uh, uh, to, to uh, that back and forth is very important for people to be uplifted and edified through the worship of God with that reverence and awe, as it says here at the end of verse 28. 
That's going to be our time, Pastor Dan Eddy of Messiah Lutheran Church in Beloit, Wisconsin, giving us God's strong word from Hebrews chapter 12. Pastor Eddy, thank you again for the gifts. Thank you, Pastor. Great to be on with you again. Saints of our Lord, Moses trembled with fear. On Mount Sinai, there was no Christ, but we are able to stand in confidence because Christ's kingdom, his cross, his death, his resurrection, and the kingdom is given by his blood. And this kingdom is not something we're looking forward to in the future, but it is here and now, and it cannot be shaken. He has redeemed you, he has saved you, and you are his. Oh, come this weekend and let us worship him. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.